Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. The college football playoff is upon us, and the four best will be narrowed down to two. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on your smart speaker presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests of Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin join us on the Goodyear Hotline. Mark Hertzlick, Jason Fitz, we're in for the guys and, you know, I said it earlier, Mark, there's something special for me as a kid waking up on New Year's Day and knowing you you were going to watch all the bowl games and you were going to see these matchups that you never saw. For all the conversation about expansion or bowl games or whatever uh, could happen and, and how the future could look, what we know right now at some point is you got to look at it and say, we've got incredible football games today between four of the biggest brands, at the very least, in college football that should give us two, it will give us two epic opportunities to find out who the best team is. I just get excited for this moment for college football because everything we've watched, let's be real, at times in 2020, we weren't sure we were even going to get college football. So to get college football and to get to this point, there has to be some sense of what a beautiful accomplishment this was for so many people to even get the games played to the point that today we will find out who's playing for the national championship. <laughs> well, you're right. You, you, you talk about waking up on New Year's Day, and I, I'd be curious to know at what age were you where you thought it was more important to go to bed early on New Year's Eve so you could have a full day of watching college football on New Year's Day versus vice versa, right? I mean, in my 20s, maybe it was like, let's stay up for New Year's. Then it was like, let me go to bed early so I can watch the full day of football. And that's where I'm at now. It's like it's like Christmas morning for 30-plus-year-olds, New you, Year's Day. You're not wrong. Football. I mean, everything you're saying makes sense. Like, and I'll be the first to admit, too, New Year's Eve was weird for me because so much of my life used to be in music. Most of the time you're working on New Year's yeah. Eve. So the amount of times like that that special like, oh, we're going to stay up for, for most of my life. It was just like, I'm going to stay up and, you know, try and get paid and then, you know, go to bed and wake up and watch football. So uh, maybe that's why there is so much magic for New Year's Day. Now, again, the college football playoff is on uh, ESPN and ESPN Radio. Coverage begins. I've been telling you the wrong time. So let me get it right here. Coverage begins on ESPN Radio at 1130 a.m. Eastern. And you can kick off your day with the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. Then stay tuned for the college football semifinals, the Rose Bowl game presented by Capital One, followed by the All-State Sugar Bowl. Again, coverage begins today at 1130 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio in the ESPN app. And I'll also give you the shameless self-promotion again that you can watch uh, my digital show this afternoon at 3 p.m. in the ESPN app, uh, Countdown to the College Football Playoff. Also watch it on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, all those places. If you just follow ESPN, it'll get you to it. So uh, I expect that the Notre Dame-Alabama game is going to look, the entire game is going to look like the first half of Alabama-Florida. It's it's going to be, uh, to me, it's going to be a statement made by Alabama. But Mark, I don't think that that's just... You know, everything that we saw in that isn't, it has nothing to do with Notre Dame and it has everything to do with the evolution of the Alabama program. Like, we just accept the fact that Alabama is a great football team and they're a great program year in and year out. But to me, there's a reinvention that doesn't get enough love. Like, there was a period where we were talking about Nick Saban as being sort of stuck in the mud with his offense and needed to figure out how to revolution. We were trying to find fault, right? Now they've become wide receiver you. Like, there's this spot where you want to be an explosive guy that's going to get a ton of catches, a ton of looks and have a great career. Look at how many NFL guys have immediate impact that were wide receivers for Alabama. There's a rebirth of what Alabama looks like offensively, and I think it's one of the most important pieces of how they managed to become so dominant in the college football landscape. Yeah, and you talk about the NFL impact as well, and I think Nick Saban has maybe done the best job of any college football coach of understanding the importance of that NFL pipeline, right? When, When running backs were at a premium in the NFL Nick Saban loaded up on really good running backs, right? And that that's what 
we knew as the Alabama offense. Now it's such a pass-heavy NFL that, look, let's model our game so that we produce some unbelievable NFL players. And they have done that on the outside. And so, yeah, I think you're exactly right. Being able to incorporate this new, hey, it's not new right anymore, but within the past 10 years, it's this pass-first offense. Pass-first offense, and then you can also have one of the best running backs in the game and Najee Harris in the backfield. And to me, it's that balance, right? Yes, Nick Saban has changed the way he calls the plays offensively, he's changed the way his team has been made up, but he has maintained the threat of a really good running back in the backfield and a really good quarterback who can distribute the ball to really good wide receivers and an offensive line that can block for both of them. Yeah, you're so right about all of that. And, you know, I just keep thinking about from the wide receiver position. I mean, Amari Cooper, we saw Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs both selected in the first round. And, you know, we'll we'll wait to see what kind of pros they turn out to be. But that's what we – and now you've got Devontae coming in and just – is it a different level, right? So so I feel like every year the question is just which explosive wide receiver is now going to dominate all of the college football landscape. And that's that's really incredible. Now, speaking of incredible, Tom Rinaldi, always incredible. He uh, has a sit-down – with Mac Jones, and this is a little bit of what the Alabama quarterback had to say about where they are right now and the doorstep that they're on. You know, it's just a great opportunity. I mean, it's all that hard work that you put in as a team, as a person, and it just adds up. And then, you know, you get to play the 11 games that we played, but at the same time, it's like, all right, we're right there to just win the games, and that's what we've done. And obviously, we have we're close to the finish, and. You know, the team that we're about to play is a great football team, and we're just really focused on that, just kind of keep it how we've always kept it. And Mark, I mean, I say Mac Jones, and it immediately makes me think, not just wide receiver, but let's be real, like Jalen Hurts has a shot at becoming the starter for Philly, Tua Tungvaloa is the future for Miami, and Mac Jones is going to be a high draft pick. So, like, they become sort of a quarterback uh, a farm also. It, it's really insane to watch. Yeah, no, it is, and... And I think that that you know, it kind of goes goes to show the way college football is, and and the way that you know these these organizations like Alabama, you know, Clemson, I'll throw up there too. They are so good at the other stuff, the other stuff, the recruiting, the promotion of their brand, the the getting out there with, with alumni players talking about their school. You know, you you go to Alabama, you know what you're signing up for. You you don't think you're walking into a uh, you know players coach organization where you're going to get away with stuff like it's a hard place to go and play and similarly to the New England Patriots where I've I've had a bunch of teammates come to the Giants after they're the Patriots they look man you know it's strict here but that's it's strict up in New England same way you're choosing a team you're choosing to be on probably one of the hardest work, working teams in this offseason a very demanding coach but these players put a premium on the A on their glove and winning championship games, and that's what Nick Saban promises these guys, and just being able to compete the way they do, I mean, they have that chance every single year. The top two programs in the country, undeniably, consistently, are Alabama and Clemson. They're also the two programs, to your point, that have done a great job of selling exactly what their culture is going to be and giving players an option. Like Dabo has created this sort of like fun, you know, loving, like everything's a little lighter. They're going to do things their way. That personality sort of seeps into how we perceive Clemson and it gives players the option that want to compete for championships, but be in that environment, that choice, whereas Saban is still Saban, right? And so you know that when you go to Alabama, uh, that you're going to be going to some sort of a spot that's going to be very disciplined and very structured, but it's going to give you the opportunity 
opportunity to maximize not only your ability in college, but also maximize your earning potential. So, mm-hmm. you know, that I think all of these elements together have created a level of longevity. And we spent so much time last year in the college football community praising Ed Orgeron, and rightfully so, but for reinventing what was happening at LSU. But that was because of the passing game coordinator brought in and Joe Brady and the quarterback and Joe Burrow. And uh, we gave Ed o all this credit. I just think that what we've lost in that is some element of like, hey, there was another person that did that first, and not only did it first, but it sustained that. And no matter who the coordinator seems to be now, no matter who the quarterback seems to be now, they've sustained a new culture that's been born in Alabama. And we're going to have to see, as much as we believe DJ Uyunglele will be great for Clemson, he's going to have to... Uh, thank you so much. You know, I, I got to get it in like once a show just because I practiced it, right? No, Nailed but, it. Uh, woo! Uh, but we got to see him do that before we can put that level of sustainability to that on Clemson. Yeah, I know you're right, and and I think the when you look at you know just coaching, right, and, and the the credit that Nick Saban and Dabo Sweeney get as coaches, it's kind of faded, right? You know, you just expect them to be that good. You say, oh, they got great players. Well, that doesn't come by accident. I mean, you still got to recruit every single year. You got to bring in those players. So you know, those two guys, they could win Coach of the Year every single year. We just don't even talk about them in that conversation anymore because Coach of the Year now is is basically. You know, man, who has done a turnaround, right? Who who has created something out of nothing? Well, yeah. When you when you look at the turnover that Nick Saban has to deal with all the time, and you know, training new coaches, you know, training new players, all the guys who the you know, quarterback room is new every year. I mean, that takes a lot of work, and that takes really good coaching and really good foundation to your program. And foundationally, Alabama, they are un checked in terms of the quality and the depth of that foundation. He's Mark Hartzlick. I'm Jason Fitz. We're in for Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin on ESPN Radio. And I think it's interesting you say that because we talk a lot about sort of uh, being bored by greatness. And it happens in the NBA when it comes to the MVP vote all the time. It's happening with the Heisman. You you said it earlier in the show as we talked about who should win. And there's this sort of mindset around Trevor Lawrence, partially because of what he's accomplished. Uh, you know, you, you have to look at the, the body of work as a whole was your, was your point. And I think what happens sometimes is when you see somebody become great so quickly we just sort of it it normalizes we don't give it the same level of appreciation necessarily speaking of appreciating great quarterbacks we're joined by one now mark sanchez espn football analyst joins us on the goodyear hotline mark thanks so much for the time uh we appreciate you joining us this morning Uh, we were just talking a little bit about sort of the change in alabama over the last few years and how their offense has become so explosive and how they've become you know such a different team than they were in the previous generation so if you're notre dame right now and you're trying to figure out how to beat Notre Dame or how to beat Alabama. How do you do it? Oh, man, that's the million-dollar question right there. Happy New Year, guys. Thanks for having me. Um, I I think most importantly, you nailed it. Alabama's different, right? They're not the the Alabama defense that that doesn't give up any points. They hold you to 10 points, and they just beat you up all game. They've transitioned to an offensive juggernaut, and – for Notre Dame, they got to exploit their matchups on the edge. Most importantly, number 88, number 11, uh, McKinley and Skronik. Those guys have to go nuts tonight if they want even a chance in this game. And most importantly, they, they have to, I think, when you come to the line of scrimmage in your Ian book, Tommy Reese, uh, Brian Kelly have to give him options when he gets to the line of scrimmage. And if Alabama wants to pack the box, 
they have to exploit some of those matchups on the edge and use those guys and their size and throw them some 50-50 balls that these guys can can pierce the defense with with chunk plays. Without those chunk plays, they're not going to just go through 10, 12, 15 play drives against Alabama consistently. It, it's just not going to work like that. And if you get down on Alabama right now, I mean, these guys are scoring half a hundred on everybody they play. Steve Sarkeesian's on, on fire. He's dialing up plays for Mac Jones, Najee Harris, Devontae Smith. You know, it's pick your poison. So they're, uh, they're in a tough ball game today, and uh, it could get ugly. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. And I think you mentioned something, too, about the defense, right, and the importance of Notre Dame holding off that attack as long as they can. You know, keep it close as long as they can. And, you know, when you have the butt-kiss award winner in Jeremiah Wusakoromoa and you got the rest of the, the defense that has been playing well pretty much all year, maybe except for that, that Clemson game, what is the key, right? Do, do you do – you, not pressure early? Do you pressure early? Like what what to me what to you is harder as a quarterback to face when you know there's a pretty good defense on the other side, uh, but you also know you got weapons. Do you want to see blitzes early so you can find those open guys or or would you rather sit in a rhythm uh, and get some of these checkdowns going early in the game? Well listen for Mac Jones, I mean Steve Sarkeesian's done a great job of go watch his games. He starts these games out five for five, you know, seven of nine, eight of nine. Like, that's how he starts the game. So Sark is going to give him a couple completions easy right away just to get you stacking completions right away. Get your confidence high. We're talking a bubble screen here, you know, a slant, a quick out, whatever it is. And, uh, you know, a naked, something like that. Sark is notorious for that, for getting his quarterback's you know, off to a really good start and making you feel good going into the game. Maybe a no-brainer completion, right? Because the rest of the game, your brain essentially is fried, going through reads and checks and all that. So a couple easy completions early on really help. But then I, I went back and looked at one of these stats from, from Hembo, from uh, my guy from GetUp, and, and he's one of the statisticians. He said Mac Jones is hitting 58% of his passes from 30-plus yards, and I'm not talking like the Mickey Mouse dink and dunk plays at the line of scrimmage that run for a bunch of yards. We're talking 30 yards in the air. To hit 58% of your passes in the air over 30 yards, like that's insane, you guys. Nobody does that. The great Joe Burrow, Kyler Murray, Tua, this is way better than all of them. So as soon as they get a couple early completions, then they establish the run game. Then they hit you over the top with play action. I mean, this this thing could get ugly fast. They could be up 21 points before Notre Dame blinks. We're talking second quarter. Oh, my God, what are we doing? You know, like that's, that's my only fear for Notre Dame because Alabama is that explosive. We're talking to Mark Sanchez, ESPN football analyst. It's Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. I'm Jason Fitz, joined by Mark Hertzlick, uh, covering for the guys today. So uh, let's switch to the other game. Got to talk to a quarterback about the quarterback mindset for this. Clemson, Ohio State. Obviously, Clemson offensive coordinator Tony Elliott will miss the college football playoff semifinal game because of a COVID-19 positive test, which means the passing game coordinator will be stepping in and taking on that role. So from a quarterback standpoint, what difference does that make to you if you're coming up to the line of scrimmage? Well, I think talking to some guys over at Clemson, the most important thing to know is 
is Coach Streeter, who's going to call the plays tonight. He's been around Trevor his entire career. Since he stepped foot on uh, on campus at Clemson, this guy's been there. So it's not like it's just some random guy calling plays, right? That, that's important to know. And then the most important thing, too, is, is uh, Coach Elliott has been involved in all the Zoom meetings and, and offensive meetings and all that. So when you go into a big game like this, any game really, but as a quarterback – you have a handful of plays on third down, a handful of plays in each you know specific situation in the red zone, things like that. The most important thing that I needed going into a game was to be on the same page with the coordinator. And usually, you know, you you have these five, six, seven plays on a specific third down situation. Let's go, you know, third and short. Well, we would order the plays in which plays I wanted first, right? here's the order I want. I want, you know, this slant throw first. I want this, you know, this next throw next. I want boom, whatever it is, you got to order them the right way. So Tony Elliott is going to be totally involved in that process. Now it's about calling him in that specific order that makes Trevor comfortable. And then we got to understand too, that, you know, it's, I don't think it's as big of a deal as people are making it because Trevor could essentially go out and, potentially call his own game, right? This guy's been on the national stage for a long time. You know, he's comfortable in these situations. He knows exactly what to do. And, um, you know, it's a collaborative effort. Debo Sweeney has, you know, his hand in the mix. He has his ideas in the mix. When it's time to take a shot, you know he's talking on the offensive side of that headset saying, hey, guys, are we going up top here? Those kind of things. So uh, I think they're, they got this thing well handled, and it's unfortunate for Coach Elliott, and we wish him the best, but I, I think Clemson's going to be just fine. Yeah, you, you talk about Brand Streeter, the, the, uh, the passing coordinator, and he's going to be calling the plays. And I mean, he's also the quarterback's coach, right? And, and their quarterback run game really sets them apart on the ground. And you know, it opens up holes inside for ETN, and you know, Trevor Lawrence is able to get to the edge. And that's really, really what sparked the comeback last year versus Ohio State was that long 67-yard touchdown run what does Ohio State need to do defensively to limit that quarterback run yardage gained where Trevor Lawrence will pull it on a soft edge and just be able to gain 10, 11, 60 yards? Yeah, it's interesting you say that because my man Herzlick, <laughs> Herzlick used to play for the Giants now. <laughs> I used to play for Philly when Chip Kelly was there and we were running read option. I'll tell you, the one game of the year that I hated – Running the read option was against the Giants because Herzlick. So you got to understand with the read option, right? The idea is at a certain point, the quarterback is unaccounted for, right? Like he's the extra number that you need to even up the numbers in the run game if you know how to run the ball against teams, right? So that's what's so, that, that's what's, um, you know, so special and shiny and new about this zone read game. Well, what Herzlick used to do, he, he didn't care if I had the ball or not. He would literally put his Rydell logo in my sternum after every play, whether I had the ball or not, okay? That is the quarterback's worst nightmare, running the zone read, because it sucks. You take the guesswork out of it. I literally would run to the sidelines, and I'm talking to Coach Kelly. I'm like, hey, dude. I'm done with this zone read crap. <laughs> We're done with this. Herzlick is burying his head in my sternum. He's not falling for the fake. Like, 
forget this. Now, the only issue with that, right, other than your quarterback just getting pounded all game, is you can potentially open up the backdoor cut lane in yep. a zone run, right, in a zone run. So basically the running back will, like, ride the wave. Everybody's flowing one way, and he can potentially cut back, you know, across the defense. They distort the defense's read and cut him in the backside, and he takes off for a big run on the backside, right? But I'm telling you, that is Ohio State's really – that's their real shot in this game. Put Trevor Lawrence on his butt ten times in the first half, and if they want to keep running zone read, keep doing it. Beat Herslick, okay? (laughs) Put him on his ass, man. I'm telling you, that's the way you do it. And then we're talking like Detroit Pistons old school. You run through the paint, you're getting an elbow. You're getting a hip check. You're on your butt all game long. And then in the fourth quarter, you want to hit jump shots. You want to stand in the pocket, Trevor Lawrence, and beat us with your arm after getting bruised and battered all game long. And you can do that? Okay, you deserve to win this football game. But I really think this is Ohio State's game plan. they got to bully him all game long. Yeah, and it's completely legal. And the reason it's legal is because off of that, off of the, the, the read <laughs> option, it's a the quarterback carries out a run fake, right? And when the quarterback no carries doubt. out his run no fake, doubt. you can hit him like a runner, like he has the football. 100%. And so you, you hit him, you lay him out, and then – you know, then uh, you know, which, which Mark figured out at some point you don't carry out the run fake anymore because <laughs> you're tired of getting hit. I'm just saying, Mark might be, uh, at this point Herzlick might be actually explaining that he wasn't breaking the rules. I'm just saying he might be covering his butt a little bit. Hey, uh, Mark Sanchez, Dude, I got two minutes. The worst. <laughs> Sanchez, man, we appreciate your time this morning. Thanks for joining us. You guys can check him out all day on ABC on the coverage. Mark, thanks as always for hanging out with us. You got it, guys. Happy New Year. Uh, Happy New Year. This is great. Like, I love being in in the middle of of two players uh, that will openly admit that one kicked the (laughs) others, but uh, that that is spectacular. All right. Uh, Don't forget, again, the college football playoffs on ESPN, ESPN Radio. Coverage begins uh, on ESPN Radio, 1130 a.m. Eastern, so not that far off. Uh, They'll continue to get you set. But next up here, how much does it matter that Clemson will be without their offensive coordinator? You just heard what Sanchez thought. I'll get Hertzlick's thoughts on it. We'll get you updated on it next on ESPN Radio. It's Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin. Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin, the podcast. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Have you ridden an electric e bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about Electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus. Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S dot com. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Subin, the podcast. 
It's Keisha on J. Will and Zubin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on your smart speakers. You just got to ask him to play ESPN Radio. Super simple. Presented by Progressive Insurance. I'm Jason Fitz, sitting with Mark Hertzlick. Good that you know. Good that I just called you, Mike. Now the the rest the rest of the show is going to be awkward. This mm. is my fault, you know. I I don't. I, I, a million apologies, my friend. I I forgive you beyond belief. Oh, look at that. Yeah. That's that's 2021 right there. See, yep. now this isn't 2020. Happy New Year's to everybody. Don't forget, ESPN Radio has you covered for bowl game action. You can tune in tomorrow for the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl, followed by the Capital One Orange Bowl. Coverage begins at 3 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Congratulations to anybody uh, who Santa Claus brought them uh, the PlayStation 5. I'm just saying I'm incredibly jealous. You just heard some of the uh, commentary about the fact that Clemson will be without their offensive coordinator uh, for their playoff game today against uh, against Ohio State. Now that is the All-State Sugar Bowl uh, today. So I guess, you know, we heard what Mark Sanchez said about it. And, you know, now I want to get Mark Hertzlick's thoughts. There's so many Marks going on. Uh, in your mind, big deal, not big deal? I mean, it, it, at this point, is Clemson such an, a fine-tuned, well-oiled machine that it doesn't matter? Well, I think that it, it matters less. Just because you, you have a guy coming in, Brandon Streeter, who – He's already the passing game coordinator. He's already the quarterback's coach. So he is, I'm sure, incredibly involved in game plan, uh, in basically everything except for calling the actual plays. And Clemson's playbook, you know, it's not really that extensive. They execute really well, but they they don't have a, a huge threshold of run games, uh, not a, a ton of different types of schemes. They just run what they do very well, and they pick the time well. So Will he be able to pick the time to use the different plays in the right way? And and that's going to be that's going to be the question, right? Are are you, are you able to call the running back go route of the backfield at the right time? Are you able to call the screen play to the sideline to Amari Rogers at the right time? Are you able to call the jump pass at the right time? And and that'll be yet to be seen. You you can't predict that because he hasn't called these games, but. I think that it's going to be a less of a factor than people want to make believe. And at the end of the day, Trevor Lawrence, who is superhero uh, wearing orange, he is going to make a difference in the game regardless of who's calling the plays. Well, and let me add another wrinkle. I mean, if you're sitting here and you're Ohio State, you now have a play caller that you have no idea what their tendency right. is going to be. So I think in some ways, strangely, when you've got a quarterback that's as experienced as Trevor Lawrence is, that has a relationship with the passing game coordinator he's been with the entire time that's now going to be calling the game, I think it could actually make things sneaky complicated for Ohio State. Now, Dabo Sweeney, Clemson head coach, talked specifically about how they've been adjusting to the loss of their offensive coordinator yesterday at his press conference. 2020 has has forced all of us head coaches to have to think about things that we've never thought about before going into a season. Uh, We've never had a season where a virus can just take somebody out, you know, in a moment's notice. So, uh, we've all had to prepare for that. So we've had a plan in place for for myself being out to, you name it, uh, every single coach. Uh, so I was just disappointed for Tony. He works his tail off and, you know, just disappointed that he couldn't be here with us. But as far as thought going into it, there wasn't much thought because that, that had already been decided, you know, a long time ago. So, and again, that's for every coach on our staff, you know, have a plan for all of that because you have to. Now, Mark, let me tell you why I don't think this is a big deal. And I'm going to oversimplify football for a second, which I hope isn't insulting to a former player. This isn't a big deal to me because Clemson's still the better team. Like top to bottom, talent on the roster, 
Clemson is a better team than Ohio State this year. We all thought that Ohio State would be able to uh, transcend and, and be better. They haven't looked like it at times. Justin Fields has had his own complications at times. But if you go position to position and you have to overwhelmingly say which team is better, Clemson is more talented than Ohio State. And at some point, when you're talking about these programs at this level, the coaching is going to be great. I believe that the coaching is great for all of them. You have qualified men that are going to be leading these guys on the field. I just I have a hard time thinking it changes the outcome of the game because frankly Clemson's simply more talented. They're a better football team. Well, I think that I think it's I think it's a fair statement to say. I also think it's actually more important that it's the offensive coordinator rather than Brett Venables as the defensive coordinator. True. When you when you look at the way offenses are called and the offenses are schemed up, you know, usually you you got a list, right? You say, okay, in these certain situations, you look at your board and say, look, these are our top plays versus what they, we think that they are going to do. Defensively, it's more so situational. Like, okay, these are my third down calls. These are my first and second down calls. These are my red zone calls. And then it's feel for game. So I think calling games for a defensive coordinator uh, and the defensive players that are used to being on the field, you start to get a rhythm. You start to kind of know what he's going to call in certain situations and you know we've had situations where yeah whether it's the end of the season and games don't don't matter as much and you'll you'll give an opportunity for maybe a linebacker coach or a defensive back coach to call some plays and it's just interesting you're used to okay man it's it's third and long this is usually cover 2 we're going to drop the nose we're going to spy the quarterback a little bit well this new guy calling plays he likes to blitz it's a little bit different and just it puts you in a little bit different situation defensively so you know i think it, it's a benefit uh to clemson that it is on the offensive side where you have two guys who really create the entire game plan such a great point by you and realistically for me like if if there was a street team for like fan clubs for coaches in college football where you got their faces printed on t-shirts really big i think i would be the president of the brent venables uh, fan club I don't think there's a better coordinator in college football. And frankly, if I had to, if I got to make a fantasy coaching lineup and I got to pick any coordinator, but only one that I could really bank on, it's him. He's smarter than everybody he goes up against. And now he gets to design his play and the way he's going to design this defense against a quarterback that has the last couple of weeks struggled a little bit. I mean, if you think Northwestern uh, gave Justin Fields a handful because of the talent that they have, nothing against Northwestern, but Clemson's better coached. So I, I believe Brent Venables is, is the key to this game, and it's a great uh, a great point by you. So uh, obviously that's going to be one of the big variables. Don't forget college football playoffs on ESPN Radio, ESPN. You can listen to the coverage starting at 11.30 a.m. Eastern. We've got a lot of college football. We've been breaking down all day, but it's a massive weekend in the NFL, and I'm not sure that there's a game on the entire slate with more on the line for fans on both sides than the Browns and the Steelers. We'll tell you why next. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Jason Fitz, Mark Herzlick in for the guys. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. 
Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. All the drama, all the feels, all the goodness that comes with Week 17 in the NFL. It's Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. And you can just ask your smart speaker to play ESPN Radio However, Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin not here right now. Mark Hertzlick, I'm Jason Fitz. We're hanging out with you this morning, and there's a lot of good action. I, I got to give the NFL a lot of quick credit here for the significant change in the way that playoff seeding was done. I think it's made the end of the season more uh, more dramatic, the fact that only one team gets a bye, and now the fact that we have seven teams in each conference making the playoffs gives us uh, some opportunity to have more games that matter at the end of the year, and it's paying off, but it's paying off in a big way for a dramatic game between the Steelers and the Browns. The Browns need to get this win, obviously, but they are still decimated from COVID-19. In the meantime, the Steelers have the opportunity to end their season, and it's not even ironic. They have the opportunity to do it with Mason Rudolph. So there's a lot of storylines to this game. So, uh, Mark, I mean, I keep looking at and I know it's oversimplification. You know, I heard uh, in the rejoin as we came back, it was said, well, if the Browns don't win this, they don't deserve to be in the playoffs. Realistically, there's likely going to be a very real scenario where a team wins 11 games, possibly, and misses the playoffs in the AFC. I said a month ago, I thought a team, a 10-win team would miss the playoffs. So I don't want to say that it makes it an epic fail, but it feels like a fail for a Browns team this talented with this much that seems to have gone for them this year to somehow miss the playoffs if that's what happens. Well, it, it feels like a failure right now, right? I think in week three, you say, okay, we're going to have a 10-win season. You say, well, that's going to be a win, especially during a pandemic year. 10 wins? Cleveland fans must, would be going crazy. They said, sign me up right now. However, when you are one win away with two weeks left and you have the New York Jets on your schedule, you think, look, this is our shot. All we have to do is beat the New York Jets and we're going to the playoffs. And you lose. Yeah, COVID struck at the wrong time for the Browns. They didn't have any wide receivers really in that game. But at the same time, it, you thought the running game would get going more than it was. But the you know the Jets team, they, they loaded up against the run. They stopped it. Uh, and they got that win. And so now you're faced with this situation where you're a Browns fan watching your team having to go and play another 10-win team to try to make the playoffs. And yeah, Mason Rudolph's that quarterback, but... You know, it's still it's still a very good defensive football team for the Steelers and you know, one of the best teams defensively in the entire league. So it's going to be a tough task for Baker Mayfield. And if they do not win this, this season will feel like a failure to Browns fans, not because of the record, but because of the way they ended up not in the playoff hunt. Well, and, and you're right. The record isn't part of it, but being a good football team is. And I'm not sure that we can necessarily say this year 
which teams are good or bad, but we can look at the schedule. And, and I think one of the things that's under-talked about is the NFL being so year-to-year. It's easy as a fan to look at it and say, yeah, but look, we, we won 10 games. We're going to build on this. Uh, you got to look at how you got those wins, and then you also got to figure out how much of it is capable of being built on. I mean, if you're the Browns, you have close wins this year over the Bengals, you know, and that, that's a bad football team. You had a close win over a bad Texans team. You had a close win over a bad Eagles team. You had a loss to a Raiders team that absolutely fell apart. You had a close win over a bad Jags team. Like I'm still not sure the Browns are a great football team. And that takes nothing away from what they've accomplished this year. To me, that's the reason why there's more pressure on this year. Because I don't know that you can take even a 10-win team this year and say, hey, this means we're building and we're going to be great for the next several years. I'm not willing to say that about a team that, when you look back at it, had so many close wins against bad teams. It feels like this could be, I always use my own fandom, a little bit reminiscent of the year the Raiders went 12-4. and And I was sitting here talking smack saying, we're going to be great for the next five years and haven't sniffed the playoff since. Like, this feels like one of those years where the Browns have managed to eke out some wins against bad teams. They need to make the playoffs so that they can give everybody this experience because I'm not sure how sustainable any of it is. Well, and you make a point, too, of these close wins against bad teams. At least they're winning them, right? I think that that's been the problem is they've, they've played bad teams and they've lost those close games in the past. And so, you know, they figure something out, right? You figured out how to get over that threshold. Whether they can sustain that for upcoming seasons is yet to be seen, obviously. But they're not killing themselves in those t- in those types of games the way they have in the past. And so, yes, you never know what the next season is going to bring. You need to capitalize now. And I think it's really interesting, right? The way the AFC has turned out, you're going to get a lot of these 10-win teams. The NFC, not so much. Partially thanks to the NFC East <laughs> just being so weird and bad and beating each other up like they usually do but yeah I mean there's a real possibility that you know this game is going to be so important for the Browns team uh, not as important for Steelers obviously but for the entire franchise and the whole fan base in Cleveland they need this win well let me be cliche for a second uh, when it comes to the Steelers you're right to the standings it may not make a big difference but to the way they enter the playoffs it feels Oof. like it's going to make a big difference like I said it when they were 10-0 and on Spain and Fitz a glorious radio show you can listen to from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern Monday through Friday on ESPN Radio uh, I'm not sure I remember an undefeated team getting less hype than the Steelers were getting for so long because people just didn't look around and, and necessarily believe that they were as good is their record and now what have we seen over the last month like you see an inexcusable loss to the Bengals you saw that they got beat by the Bills they saw that they got beat by the Washington football team like uh, this is not this is not the way the Steelers envisioned the end of their season coming so even with Mason Rudolph I gotta feel like if you're the Steelers two things you want to go in with a little bit of momentum but you also want to end the the Brown season like there's all these different variables that that matter but you've also got to look at what's happened this year for the Steelers I'll hold them to the same accountability that I'm saying for the Browns are the Steelers really a great football team this year? They're a great defense, but I'm not sure that if I'm a Pittsburgh fan, I'm not looking at Big Ben saying, holy cow, we have a problem. Like, I don't know that we have our quarterback for, not even just for right now, but what are we going to do next year? If you're a Steelers fan, you were looking at it saying, boy, we better capitalize because the quarterback position doesn't have an answer long term. No, it doesn't. And I think that that's why... They were so underrated, right? You win 11 straight, and people think, you know, oh, man, it might be the next undefeated team. I don't think anyone went there mentally. No one was like, look, the dominating performance that we've seen by the Pittsburgh Steelers has led to them being undefeated. Mostly, it was this defense is playing really well and opportunistic, and they can get to the quarterback and cause a ridiculous number of sacks and turnovers. But is Big Ben playing to the level that we need him to play? And the answer was consistently no, right? Chase Claypool... An absolute 
dynamite piece of that offense now, right? Without Chase Claypool in that lineup, a lot of those games, a lot of those deep throws where Big Ben doesn't have the arm strength to put them accurately, it's just throwing it up there to your bigger, more athletic wide receiver. Some of those downfield passes would be out. They would be absolutely out. And so what what the organization and management and Steelers fans are thinking about right now is, okay, how many more years do we have of Ben Roethlisberger? Because obviously he has led his team to a 12-win season so far. That's great. But what can he do next year? And then can he do it the following year? Or is it time now to maybe get some draft capital, to trade up in the draft, maybe to, to, to lock away some picks for next year's draft so you can trade those to finally get a quarterback to replace him? Well, and that's why I think if, if I ran the Pittsburgh Steelers today, my number one priority would be drafting a quarterback in the next draft. I, I, no matter what, I'm going to try and find a quarterback that I think I can build my franchise around. That's what I'm going to desperately look for because his cap number next year, $41.2 million. Yikes. Uh, 22 of that, still a hit if they're if it's dead cap money. But his cap year the year after, not that anybody thinks they would get to the year after, but his cap, cap number the year after would be $91 million. That's not a misspeak. Oh, $91 million. So obviously, he's entering what at best case he would have one more year best case they've not they're not going to want to do a renegotiation that spreads more of that money out either so yeah the only economic way that you can really get this figured out is to go out and draft a quarterback so the Steelers mm-hmm. to me are absolutely right now according to Tankathon a site that when your team stinks like mine does most of the time you spend too much time on Tankathon has Pittsburgh picking 28th I mean, at 28th, they're going to be hopeful that one of these quarterbacks somehow drops down to them that they feel like they can take a a, a shot at and see if they can build. It comes back to our earlier conversation. Maybe you believe the rest of your team is in such good spot that you can take that flyer on a quarterback and hope that you can build. Yeah, and it could be a situation, too, where they they don't even try in the first round, right? They might go to a second round. If they have a guy who they think is is really good that you know might not be in that top tier of quarterbacks – they might wait for that second round uh, to try to go that way, so or try to trade up in the second round to get an earlier pick. But yeah, I think you're you're right. Just every time we get to this point where a franchise quarterback is, we know he's on his way out. It puts pressure and onus on the team to get his replacement. You saw it, you know, most recently from that draft class with Eli Manning and Daniel Jones coming in, and you know, still questions whether he has taken over that as the full time franchise guy or not. But I think it's time. It's time It's time for the Steelers to do it. We saw Green Bay do it last year, getting love and drafted in the first round. They have a guy in waiting. The Steelers need that too. Well, realistically, the Colts could beat the Jags. The Browns could beat the Steelers. The Ravens could beat the Bengals. All those things seem to make sense. And if that happens, you'll end up with an 11-win Colts team on the outside looking in that doesn't make the playoffs. That is a stunning thing to say, to think that you could go 11-5 and knock it in. All right, uh, we'll get to, we'll continue to break down all the NFL action coming up this weekend next. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. You can hear the show live weekdays at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio, ESPN News, or wherever you stream your audio.